am so happy that you are here. I'm so happy to be here. I mean, I, I love you and I'm just excited to chat all things. I, I just feel like there's so much that we can get into like right away, but I always feel like I say the same thing that we met at this event called Kindred. Um, I think I've said that for almost every interview and people are like, <laughs> enough, like we get it. This like event was like a big deal. And I was like, calm down, it's fine. But <laughs> we did meet there um, and it was just so fantastic. But what you are doing with your company, Space Movement, which we will get into, is incredible, but that's a side note. But I just want everyone to know that the real reason you and I have connected so much is because we share something. We are both um, diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and we didn't discover this till after the event, which was bananas to me, how we figured it out sitting at a lunch, like getting together to see what we could do and how we could collaborate. And it kind of just like spilled out of you and spilled out of me. And we're like, wait, <laughs> you've been through this. You've been through that. You've taken this. You've taken that. Like, I, I just, I just want to start with that because I think it's so amazing what, what we share and it doesn't define us, but it is a part of us. And we are trying as much as we can to destigmatize it and make it seem as natural as possible, even though both you and I still suffer quite seriously, even though it doesn't seem like I do. Like I totally had a manic episode today and it was bad, but here we are and I was inspired and I felt safe because I was amongst someone um, who has shared these experiences that I have. So first and foremost, thank you so much for being so honest and open about who you are. I think that's very important and I want people to start this episode off knowing that you're that kind of person. Thank you so much, Al. And honestly, like, I wouldn't be able to be as honest and vulnerable as if it wasn't for friends like you who share that commonality and I can like trust and feel safe to talk about things with. So yeah, it was crazy. Like we met at Kindred and I knew I liked you, but when we <laughs> met and had that lunch and really got deep and got to like share, like I was like, whoa, I'm really connected to her. And it's hard because there are so many people in the world that live with mental health conditions, but to have someone that is like-minded like you, that you're like, oh, she's a cool girl. And like, we share this and we can talk and talk about this and it's no big deal. Like it just felt so good to have a friend. Cause I, before you actually never had a friend who lived with bipolar disorder and I've been existing and living with this for almost 13 years. So, and your whole life and well, you just didn't even, yeah, exactly. you didn't, you didn't see it till it, it was like, oh shit, this is real. <laughs> like, it's what is this? <laughs> it's a problem. Yeah. Like, oh, it, that's why all of this makes sense. Um, totally. But I think that that is so true. I mean, I met one other person, my friend Eden, who did a movie with me and that is how we kind of actually bonded was over bipolar disorder. It was pretty cute. But I hadn't experienced that and I hadn't been able to talk about that with anyone else. And I think that some of your stories growing up in LA, like, you know, 
having actually mutual friends that both of us grew up with. And, you know, I went to high school with someone that you've known your whole life as well. And all of these things. And you realize, wow, someone could literally be right next to you. And you have no idea that you are sharing the same diagnosis as them. And I think you're right. It is, we are surrounding ourselves around a lot of people who have mental health, whether they want to admit it or not, that's around. But there is something very different about knowing when you have a manic episode and you feel that explosion inside of you that you literally can't control the things that come out of your mouth. You know, there are certain things that I don't know that that no one else will be able to understand but you. And I think that having that conversation that we did over lunch where I was like, oh yeah, I casually like tried to drive off Mulholland. Like it was not a big deal. And you're like, wow, like that is a big deal. Um, but I understand the pain that you have to be in where you don't know how else to go on in life. Um, And so I thank you for all that. That was a long way for me to get there. But I thank you for being someone who understands the the ups and downs and the pain. Because really, it's a lot of pain. I try to make light of it, but it's like truly like one of the most painful things that um, I've ever experienced. I mean, I completely resonate. I think the when you know I'm manic when I'm yelling at the other person across the room saying, you know understand what I'm going through and like yeah. to have someone that understands is a game changer. So I well, and I think it's that. really hard with, with totally. And I think it's really hard with bipolar disorder. It's because I don't know about you, but for me, people used to always say to me, Oh, you're just, you have anger problems. Like you need to go to anger management. Like, I, and I get that. Sure. Fine. Maybe in some world that would have helped me a little bit. But it's different because the attack is not just anger that I have towards the world or towards people. I actually am not an angry person at all. I don't know about you. I'm not angry. I just need to release this explosion of a demon inside of me. And I don't take it out on normal people. I don't take it out on strangers. I don't even really take it out on friends. I take it out on my mom, on my husband, on, you know, family members. Anyone that's like super tight to me is when I feel the most comfortable to do it because I have been labeled. Exactly. It's the people you love the most. And I feel like a bobblehead right now because every single thing you are saying, I can completely empathize and agree with. And it's, it's crazy. I mean, when I am manic and I'm angry, like I am, first of all, such a lover, not a fighter. Like such I a lover. Wanna, <laughs> I just want to <laughs> hug people all day long and tell them how pretty they are. But when I am in a manic phase, boy, you do not want to cross me. Like it is like, yeah. and like, I don't know if it's also the Gemini in me, but like the combination. And I'm a Gemini too. So that's even <laughs> the bigger problem. We have four personalities going on in this episode right now. <laughs> Yeah, one minute. You never know what you're going to get. But yeah, uh, I mean, manic episodes are, I've always wanted to like, like see myself on the outside looking at myself being like, what is she doing? Like, where, like, where is her mind? And I think like we touched upon this a lot, like the like first time we really met and spoke about having this condition you know, we don't let it define or label us. And it's, and, and it's so important to like change the conversation. But, you know, the first thing that people like associate when it comes to bipolar disorder is, oh, that girl is crazy. 
And so I think it's like, right. it's, I don't know for you, like, um, like trying to change the dialogue and like the words associated with it has like been one of my like ultimate goals because I feel like people just assume we're just like the crazy girls that can't get their shit together. And like, you know, I, I know you and you're mo- one of the most talented, beautiful, like smart, art driven, like creative Stop people. It. <laughs> but, but it's true. And honestly, like, a battle I have also is like walking down the street, like you would, unless I wore like something on my forehead that says I live with bipolar disorder, like you would really never know unless I was in an episode or was acting out. But yeah, trying to change that like verbiage and words, I think is so important. And I think that you're killing it, doing it here on Emotional Support. So. Thank you. <laughs> how, old were, how old were you when you um, were diagnosed? So when I was properly diagnosed, I was 19, but I was diagnosed originally at 17 with ADHD. Stimulants and taking Adderall for two years, which was the start of my manic episode at 17. So properly at 19, I was diagnosed, but I was in a full-blown manic episode for two years sick before I was finally, yeah. When they properly- it's like Mr. Toad's wild ride at Disneyland. That's what I always say. But when you were first diagnosed, not when you were 17, when you were 19, when you were properly diagnosed, was there kind of this part of you that was like, oh, wow, this all makes sense? No. 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 And it's funny you ask that because people ask me that all the time. When I was diagnosed, I was like, this is a fucking death sentence. Pardon my right. language. I'm so sorry. No, we, we swear all the time on the show. Don't even worry about it. This is how <laughs> okay. we get our anger out. <laughs> I was like, how am I going to live with this? How am I going to tell my friends? How am I ever going to have a real relationship? Like this fucking sucks and I am dead and done for. And it really wasn't until I was 25 when I had like my second like death row sort of incident where I was manic for like months and months and months. And finally my parents were like, Oh, she's been off of her meds. Like maybe she's sick again. It wasn't until 25 where I was like, okay, this is real. I don't want to live like this. I need to make a change type of thing. So do you think that that's because you were the one that made the decision that you needed the change? Because I know a lot of people uh, like who have been diagnosed and are very similar to you in the sense where they're like, this is going to ruin everything. Like, I don't even want to acknowledge that this is a problem. Like, let's just move on. Or they like try to get better and they do take their medication because they're told they should do it and it's going to help them out. And really then they, they, you know, crash and fall almost like, you know, being on the bandwagon of, of, you know, alcoholism, right. You know, you, you have that, that, break where you break your sobriety it's and you need to have your own crash and burn your own fuck up to be like okay you know what i'm gonna make this decision to get better like maybe it was because you and your heart and soul needed to do this i mean i was like completely sick and tired of feeling sick and tired um i definitely hit a rock bottom i lost my job i lost my boyfriend i lost my trust of my family members i had no friends at 25 years old where I was living with this condition for like six years and was, and was skating by. Um, but it wasn't until I like really fucked up until I kind of like had that lesson where I was like, I just, 
I don't want to live this way anymore. And like, what's so interesting to me is that I've met people with mental health conditions, with bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, you know, that they, they go by and they live their life and, 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 and everything's gravy and, and it's, it's, it's not easy and there's always going to be a struggle, but you know, they don't take it to the next level. Like I never wanted to just be someone living with this condition. Like I wanted to make it like I joke because I'm obsessed with Kanye's like bipolar, you know, craziness. And like, okay. I truly, I truly, I, I truly believe that it's enabled me to, it, for it to become my superpower. I don't know if that makes sense to you or if you can like resonate at totally. all. Like, but I'm like, I'm not going to let this like mess with me the rest of my life. I'm going to own it. And, and like, do something with it and try and help others. I completely agree with you. At first, I I don't know what your relationship was like with with the boyfriend when when you guys you know broke up during that time of when you were at that age when you finally were like, okay, I'm gonna get my shit together. But for me, I was so sick and tired of people saying that I was mental and I was crazy and jealous and it's all these emotions. And I'm like, that's not the fucking problem. Like the problem is you're cheating on me. That's the first problem. Secondly, like, yes, I do have a, a disorder, but it doesn't, it, it's not a negative thing. And I treated it as a negative thing, I think for the first couple of years and I was shamed by it. And now I'm like, you know what? It sounds stupid. I say it in every episode. If I can help one person, great. But, you know, even just finding one person to talk to, like you, right? We had no idea that we shared this, this you know, diagnosis issue, problem, whatever you want to call it. We had no idea. But the relief that I had when I found out that someone else had gone through this, the relief that I had had knowing that you had been in relationships where men have been, you know, not even abusive, but have used your your mental health issues against you when, and, and yes, like true, maybe you were fucking crazy, right? We've all been there. We've all been that girl. Like, trust me, I have stalked guys. I've been that girl. But, you know, it, it, it's very <laughs> hard to be in a relationship with someone who uses that against you. And when you were in that relationship, when you did end up ending it with him, like whether he ended it, who cares? Did that kind of make you be scared to get in the next relationship? Was that kind of like, okay, I'm going to do better because I failed? Like what was the, what go, going through your mind with that? Because I have so many different stories with different relationships of how I've kept going. And I think that I get that question a lot from people is a lot of people will write in and say, my significant other found out that there was something wrong with me with my, you know, with my brain basically. And they ended it because of that, or they had had enough of it, or they don't understand me. Like I have so many questions about relationships and I don't even know how to answer it, but I feel that this season, what I want to do is provide as much content and as much stories so people can maybe hear other people's stories with things. And I think love is really important to talk about when it comes to mental health. Absolutely. Um, it's really interesting that you ask about that relationship because that was the first single relationship that I was in that I felt comfortable telling my partner that I did live with a, a, a mental health diagnosis. Funny enough, his past relationship that the woman he dated before me also had bipolar disorder. 
And he oh, broke, so he has a type. <laughs> he likes us crazy girls. Yes. Um, but it, it, it taught me so much because we had this open dialogue in the beginning since, and, and that's the way I wanted it was with him because he had mentioned it to me. That was like, Oh shit, maybe I need to tell him now before we get in too deep. And it was the best thing that I ever, I had ever done. And when I did tell him, he said, I want you to know that I support you through this entire process. I know what it's like. I've dated someone. However, if you don't take care of yourself and if you don't take your medication, I'm out. So, so he, he laid that on the line, like right at the beginning. This was probably in our like second month of dating. And granted, um, I don't know how you feel about medication. My vision for it has changed completely ever since this happened. You know, you take it, you're feeling really good. And then you're like, I don't need it anymore because I'm really good. Yeah. And I'm in a relationship and I have a great job and I have all these things that are going well in my life. So what? I don't need my medicine. Like, fuck that. So I stopped taking it and I went behind his back and he approached my parents and was like, I think that Brittany, see, I told you the Brittany comes in when they're mad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Brittany is like manic and not well and hasn't been taking her meds. And he recognized it and he fully was like, I love you and I care about you, but I'm out. Wow. So wow. when I lost him, my mom driving me to, to Los Encinas in Pasadena. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's my most yeah. famous, glamorous hospital. How long were you in there for? So when I was 25, I was in there for seven weeks. Um, wow. Yeah. And that, that sounds like a long time. But when I was 19, I was in there for almost three months. But wow. so and did you have the same doctor? Yes, I've had the same doctor for as long as I've been diagnosed. He, he diagnosed me properly. But the reason that you're there for so long is because when you're complete, like, you know, the chemical imbalance with all the different medications and when they're off, they have to come, you have to come up to certain levels and like meet certain right. criteria. So, it, you know, when you're that it's manic. It's a slow process. Oh my God. And seven weeks feels like seven years and you just want to die. Did you feel shame that you came back to the same doctor and that you had not relapsed, but, but that you had stopped? Like, did you ever feel that embarrassment? Cause I had that before. Um, I don't, that's a tough question to answer. Cause I, I don't know if I've ever felt ashamed for being back in the hospital. I think that's part of the, the life cycle living with this condition. Um, but I have felt like I let you know, my doctor down and my parents down and my family down and my friends down for, you know, repeating that vicious cycle. But, you know, there's, even if when you are on your medication or you are stable and you're healthy and you're doing all the right things, like we live with this chemical imbalance in our brains and sometimes we're sick and we just, and that just happens. Yeah. So. And I think that that's, I don't know for you, like for me, I'm such a perfectionist that it's a downfall, like it's a really bad thing 
if I look in the mirror, specifically for me, it's not like, oh, do you look pretty today? Like, no, 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 it's not about that. But if my eyelash, for instance, isn't perfectly fluttered the way that I want it to, or if my, you know, lipstick isn't perfect and it's not, I, I, I don't know how to explain it because people are like, oh, you just sound like a narcissist. And I'm like, I am a fucking narcissist, but that's not the problem. Like, that's what not this is about. <laughs> what this is about is just being able to control, right? That's what I've learned. It's not perfectionism. It's about control. But that is what I can tell is a complete trigger for me of a manic episode where it's like, if one thing doesn't go right, the next thing doesn't go right. And then that doesn't go right. And for me, that's how I've always seen myself spiral. And that is why I personally have been so fearful to get off medication because I, I can't imagine what I'm going to be like off medication because even though I feel great, there's one little thing that'll come through like once a week. And I'm like, oh, I forgot. Like I'm actually quite damaged. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, look, like no one's perfect. And um, I think that what I've learned so much about this condition is like exactly what you said about control. Like now I know that like all I control, I, all I can control is that I can wake up every morning. I can exercise. I can take my medication. I can, I do all the right things, help people, you know, facilitate my groups, meet with people like you. Um, but I am 100% out of control when I'm not medicated and it's not for, it's not for everybody though. And it's not everyone's storyline, but for me, like I cannot live without medication and I've come to realize that. And, and honestly, I'm okay with that. I Don't am. you get jealous though, that people can live with bipolar disorder and not be on medication. I'm like, what do you mean? You can't, you don't have to be on medication. I'm like, what? That's the craziest shit I've ever heard. Yeah. It, it, you know, the side effects suck, but then like, imagine just pretend like you're popping Molly instead of lithium. Like it's fun sometimes, right? <laughs> I have never done anything. And I feel like I haven't lived a life because I'm <laughs> such a control freak that I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, what if this happens? And then what if that happened? And I just knew like, I don't think drugs are for me because I would be, I feel like I have a very addictive personality as well. So I think that I, as a control freak, couldn't do it because I know that I couldn't stop. Um, <laughs> So, but I wish, like, I wish that I could treat it like it's Molly and I'd be like rolling and like making out with everyone <laughs> and like living my best life and free sexuality, but that's neither here nor there. But what I want to talk about is both you and I um, also share this amazing thing where we work with a fantastic organization, the National Alliance of Mental Illness, NAMI, and I just... I randomly found this company through this organization through my friend Morgan Stewart, um, who I grew up with since I was super little. And she was an ambassador and she had invited me to an event uh, because she knew that I was bipolar and I had talked about it. And I wasn't open about it, but I just talked to friends about it. And she said, oh, why, why do you come? Like she invited me with a few friends. And I went to this luncheon and I sat there and I heard all of these amazing stories and these amazing ambassadors would come up and share all their different um facts and the, the shit that they went through. And when I went up to one of the heads at NAMI, I said to her, I was like, you know, um, I don't work with any organizations 
but I'm bipolar and I've never heard other people speak about mental health so casually and want to do something. So if you ever need help or you ever want someone to make a video, I'm here for you. Let's do it. And slowly but surely, I, I created this relationship with this woman, Katrina, who's amazing, who's one of the heads of the organizations. And she just, you know, kept sending me information and, and would say, hey, you know, do you want to be part of this campaign? Do you want to be part of that campaign? And she had me do a campaign, I think it was a year and a half ago. And through that one video that I shared, that's when I continued doing my Instagram TV. And then our friend Justin had reached out and said, come to this mental health event called Kindred. Um, so how did you get involved with the organization? Because you actually head up the Beverly Hills office, right? Um, yeah, I'm part of the West LA team. Um, it's so, I mean, NAMI has such a big, big part of my heart and I love the organization so much. I randomly went to a mental health conference like three or four years ago um, and interacted with someone. We were sitting at a table and she was like, do you know about NAMI? And I was like, I don't. And um, from there, it kind of flipped, you know, our relationship has been so beautiful. Um, I am an ending the silence presenter and in our own voice presenter. Um, I've led peer to peer groups before through the organization and I've learned so much and met such incredible humans and friends. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm really proud to be a part of the organization and they have, uh, do amazing things. So I'm, yes, I'm a part of the, the West side LA team. There's such a great resource that I just push everyone to reach out to and go to nami.org, I believe is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, but they have so many resources. And whenever someone writes me and they're like, beyond just, the, you know, suicide prevention and, and, you know, all this stuff, very specific organizations, specific for schizophrenia, for, you know, split personality, for, you know, depression, for ADHD. They, they have it all in categories, just so, so organized. I wish I was that organized of a human being. I'm not that organized, but they are, they're a great resource. So if you have a friend or you have family or someone that you believe needs help, or if you want to learn more, there were a lot of things that I actually learned about bipolar disorder that I didn't know until I went onto their website to, to search more. So I want to start with that. But also you have this incredible, incredible movement called space movement. And I was so lucky enough to speak at one of your events. And I don't know if it's open to the public or if it's going to actually expand past Los Angeles. But I really want to know, how did this whole thing begin? Well, thank you. And to date, you're probably one of my, I know it's biased because you're my good friend, but your story was probably one of my favorites. <laughs> um, it's probably so because it was like 45 minutes long and I kept talking and talking and talking when I shouldn't have. It was absolutely perfect. If perfect <laughs> is even a word, but yeah. So um, space movements inception um, really stems from the fact that I went to rehab when I was uh, younger. I was like 18, uh, 18 years old. And I was thrown into a 90 day rehab. And the one requirement was that I needed to hit two AA meetings a day. And mm -hmm. while I was in AA, I realized that 
there was something that I really gravitated towards and it was like community and the aspect that like, you know, people were sitting on the porch, drinking their coffee, smoking their cigarettes and just like having someone to listen and having someone Mm -hmm. to talk to. And I was like, well, how can I take this idea as Alcoholics Anonymous and make it something for mental and emotional health and support? And so that was really where um, my love for community came from was like in those AA doors. Um, but I never identified as being an addict or an alcoholic. And there was a lot of things that I didn't really agree with how they do. I think it's a fantastic program and it works for so many people. Um, but I wanted to mold my own and figure out how I can help others in the mental health space. So that's kind of how my vision came for space movement. And I wanted to, you know, make it happen. And it happened two years ago and it's, saved me. Honestly, it happened at a time where I didn't have therapy. I couldn't afford it. To be really honest with you, I was not working as much and I had to get rid of my therapist. And I was like, what can I do right now? I want to talk to somebody. Um, So we're all lived, you know, people with lived experiences. We're not doctors. We're not clinicians. Um, And I think what's so special about the community is that, you know, it's very diverse. Um, We have people come in and speak. Um, Our platform is We meet once a week. It's completely free and open to the public. So yes, um, you know, anyone is welcome. And especially right now, since we had to pivot to the Zoom platform, it's been amazing because we've been having speakers from all over the world actually kind of come on and tell their story, which has been so therapeutic and beautiful to see. we first started in West Hollywood where you presented out and shared your story and we partnered with um, Coffee Commissary and our goal for 2020 was that Commissary has locations all throughout um, LA and we were gonna host a meeting weekly in every single location so that different parts of the city could get together. Unfortunately, with the pandemic, we had to pivot and move to Zoom, but it's right. been really great in many ways, because so many people have been able to connect and just come in their pajamas and just sit there and listen and shoot the shit and just tell their stories. And and just, I think what's the most important is like, we use this term often in mental health, as you know, like you are not alone, but truly like there are so like every time we have a speaker, there's someone in our community who resonates and really feels and, and is heard and seen and and it's and it's beautiful. And yes, I'd hope to one day expand. And my my goal and dream is it for to be the mental health and you know emotional support for like AA. Um, that's a that's a that's I'm a dreamer, but that's a big dream. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really happy with where we are now, and I'm just super grateful for the community. And um, another part about space women that people don't know about is that. We are a weekly free support group, but we also partner with different organizations to raise money. Um, we are not a 501c3, but we like to collaborate and host events for people to raise money in the mental health space. So that's been amazing. We've had, you know, we've partnered with a couple of different organizations in the last like two years and raised thousands and thousands of dollars for research and just like you name it. And um, that's what we're really passionate about as well. So. Do good, feel good is our motto. <laughs> oh, I love that. No, you know, it's it's so funny because I always say it's so funny. It's not funny. It's so cool because um, Sturgis is sober and it's supposed to be anonymous and I talk about it, but he knows I talk about it. He's very, very, very open about it as well. And, and he 
tries to help as many people as he possibly can. That being said, I get very jealous of AA. I've never been a drinker. I've never done drugs. I'm kind of a square. I'm pretty boring. Um, but I have been jealous of that community that he's part of. Um, I'm, I'm very grateful that I don't have the gene in me, or I might have it, and I just don't know because I throw up every time I have a glass of wine. So I might have it, who knows? But I, I'm very thankful that I have my own issues and, and I have that. I don't have another issue. But um, I am very envious every time he goes and goes to a meeting and hears these, hears people speak that their stories are just fucking unbelievable. And I know this because I've sat in a few meetings before. Um, so I have heard it myself. Um, and I've always grasped on that idea of wanting that for mental health. And I get that every time I have a conversation with you or I have a conversation with my friend Eden, or I have a conversation with my friend David, people that, that suffer with bipolar disorder and can only understand what that is. But that being said, there's not a lot of us that I know. It's like this unicorn that comes along and I'm like, oh my God, you have this, you've been through this moment. Ah, I want to talk to you. Like I want to just soak it all up. When you told me you were doing this, I was so fearful to come in and speak on it. And I told Sturgis, I said, I don't want to fucking do this. Like, I don't even know what story I'm going to say. Like, they're not going to like it. They're going to be like, oh, please, it's so stupid. No one cares. But for me, that was my, in, that was my fear, right? We all have a fear inside of us. And that was my fear that I needed to overcome. He's like, you know what, babe? Treat it like an AA meeting because that's what it is. It's an emotional support meeting and share your story. The people that are going there are not going there for judgment. They're not going there to be like, oh, well, that story sucks. Or, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I can't relate to you. Like you're being prissy about it, whatever. I, I just had all these like dark fears and, and false, false fears in my mind, you know, that were not true. And that's the definition of fear. You know, what is it? False, whatever. Well, I'll put Evidence it on the website. appearing real. Thank you. See, this is why you're here because you can finish these sentences for me. Um, but but that is that is true. So when I showed up, I was scared shitless. I thought I was going to like pee my pants. I couldn't handle it. Then you had me sit up and I talked and we were in a circle and we had pizza and we were just hanging out and I had no idea what I was going to say. I didn't plan it. And I just started to tell my story. And I, you know, told the story from when I was a kid, how I used to bang my head against the wall, how I couldn't cross threshold, how I was put on antidepressants and it made me suicidal. And that happened. And then being diagnosed when I was like 20, 21 being bipolar. And it was this like aha moment and just sharing it. And then everyone around the circle either shared a story or said my story of what resonated with them. And I left there and I felt like I was in a warm fucking blanket. I was like, I have never felt this before. Um, I could cry right now. Um, but I had never felt that 
connection of everyone sharing, even if they weren't all bipolar, you know, there was someone that was in there that had a family member that was, and they go, we had never heard from that point of view because people don't know the right questions to ask, right? They're like, oh, I don't want to ask. Maybe it's too touchy. And so when we were all sharing, it was this sense of love and community and a safe space. So I really just want you to know what you're doing is so incredible and it's hard, right? Because we all have jobs and we're all working and we all have families and we all have things going on. So sometimes we can't make that once a week thing, but the availability and the, sorry, not the availability, the accessibility to going on a Zoom um, space movement is such a dream because so many people from around the world can come on and feel that comfort and feel that warm blanket. Um, and I want everyone to know who, who are, you know, going to come on. It's a private place, right? It's not for everyone. This is why you don't advertise it the way that, that it should, it could be advertised. You know, this isn't a place where we're going to share our stories in hopes of getting advertisement or, you know, getting the next speaking job, you know, um, that's not what it's about. It's just a safe space. And if you're an asshole, we kick you off, right? That's what you say. Like you can't be an asshole. It's, you know, anonymity, anonymity, anonymity. I got you. God, today is not <laughs> my day. This is embarrassing. But that's, that's what this place is for. So if you are in need of this place, reach out to Brit. You can follow them at Space Movement um, and at Brit Bronson. And yeah, I mean, I think that, that it's so remarkable. And I know that, you know, we're going to hopefully get out of COVID and we'll be able to go and, and do this like one-on-one, -on -one, you know, with people and be able to physically hug each other and have that support. But I really, you know, my recommendation, my request, you know, is to continue doing the Zoom meetings as well. Um, because I know that they do that for AA and, and it's just remarkable because there's meetings that Sturgis gets to go to in New York that he hasn't been able to go to in years since he moved there, like back from there. And, right. and you know, like certain things like that where I think it's so cool that you can all be from around the world and share these experiences. So, you know, definitely try to keep that going. Cause I know a lot of people like just absolutely love that too. But what is, what is, what is the next step for you? You know, what, what is the next step in your journey, in your life? Like what, what is the goal for the end of 2020 beginning in 2021? Well, thank you. I, I first have to take a step back and just, let you know how my like when you said warm and that's how you felt leaving our meeting like that's how i feel right now um listening oh. <laughs> like listening to your experience um because that's all i've ever wanted like the reason i created space movement was just to help people and to let people be themselves and be who they are unapologetically and just listen right. and hear and be seen and be heard and for you to have that experience. Um, and I know how nervous you were. You like, first of all, you texted me two days before and you're like, I don't want to do this. You texted me the next day and you're like, I don't want to do this. You got there, you pulled me aside and you're like, I don't want to do this. I was like, Al, have a piece of pizza. You're fucking doing this. And I had the did. pizza and I was fine. Literally, that's what it was. It was this fear inside of me that I couldn't shake because I, I hadn't 
spoken my story in such an intimate, close environment before. I've done it in big stages and that's one thing, but there's nothing more nerve wracking to me than being in a smaller little um, group, but end up being the safest place possible. Um, But to to answer your question, um, I am being so honest and vulnerable right now and telling you that I don't know where my next step is going to be. Um, I, I every day have a new idea that spins. And I think that's a combination of being like living with this like disease that my brain is constantly spinning and like wants to know what's the next career move. But I think like my ultimately where I wanted, where I want to be is that I want to amplify this movement and have space movement be accessible to more than just one zoom a week. Um, you know, it's kind of, we're in a process where we're trying to find people to train to, to be in, where I, cause I can't lead a meeting, you know, every night of the week or else my brain, <laughs> um, but you know, getting people to be in that position. Um, I think that right now we're focusing a lot on finding new partnerships and collaborations with different mental health organizations, um, to further their mission along and their conversations along and, and, and you know, help them grow, you know, like uh, fundamentally, but also right. financially. And, um, so yeah, um, there's a lot going on. Um, I have to remember to take care of my mental health or I'll go nuts. <laughs> well, I think that that's such a great thing that you brought up actually, because a lot of people, uh, myself included, I kind of go, Oh, I just want to help everyone out. I want everyone to feel cushy and like warm and cozy and feel like they're not alone. And then I exert a lot of that energy to other people, which is great, right? That's my whole goal in this podcast, in this emotional support world that I'm creating. Um, But that being said, when you exert so much, you drain your body and then you want to just like die. (laughs) And that happened a lot to me over quarantine where I just kind of like gave up and I wouldn't leave bed and not even out of depression. I was just like, I don't understand the point. Like I'm not really helping anyone and it's fucking stupid. It's a podcast. Um, and I think that that's the, the most important thing for everyone to know, like that message of you have to take care of yourself first. You know, it's like they say, who was it? Maybe it was Raghu. It was like someone said it where when you're on an airplane, right? They always say like, take care of yourself before you handle, you know, children. Um, and I think that that's so true just in life in general. It's not being selfish because you cannot be a good person um, to help others out if you're not okay with yourself, right? So um, I love that. So we have a new question that we've been, um, we, myself and Pee Wee Herman, that's here, my dog, um, mm-hmm. that I have been asking everyone for this season is, um, Britt, what is your emotional support? Ooh, nailing me with all these tricky questions today. Um, I mean, Look, I would not be anywhere without my family. I know that's a very cliche thing to say, friends and family, but like I truly, truly need human connection in my life. Um, I need need that affection. I need love. Um, I think just like having like that one person to talk to and that one person that understands you and that you can confide in, um, whether that is, you know, a friend or a family member. Um is really, really important. And 
I don't know if I'm answering this the right way or if, or if you're looking for me to say like I have like like a pet like animal that I keep I don't know. <laughs> there is no there is no right answer to this one. Everyone has different answers for it, but everyone can relate to your answer. So Yeah, I I mean yeah. like honestly, sometimes my emotional support is tequila on the rocks and dancing by myself in my kitchen. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Love it. No, I mean, but it's true. Like everyone has different things and and it's just it's it's fun to hear what it means to everyone and who it may be, what it may be. It's just kind of, it's fun. I like it. <laughs> Do I get to ask you what yours is? Oh, ooh, no, I don't think anyone's asked me that one yet for this season. Um, my emotional support, I think um, it's cheesy, is my mom and my husband. I think that also um, my dogs, but specifically Pee Wee Herman, who's here right now. He's like a little angel. Um, he, especially because I am not a good flyer, like flying on an airplane, you know. <laughs> um, and I have so many um, emotional nervous breakdowns more than I'd like to admit, even being on medication, that the only thing that kind of calms me down is when I hug him. It's it's that personal connection of hearing um, the heartbeat and feeling the heartbeat Aww. of a helpless, a helpless creature, right? That is literally here to just love. Um, and so, yes, friends and family obviously are my number one, but if I really am going to speak my truth, um, Pee Wee Herman is my, is my little earth angel, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't thank you enough, Britt, for coming on here and doing this. Yes. I absolutely adore and I love you. And I think it's so brave what you do. I hope that everyone who's listening to this will search for your information, go on to space movement, share your story. You know, no, no story is not good enough. Every story means something to someone else. And I think that that's the most important thing that I want to leave everyone here with. So um, thank you so much again. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just so honored to be here and to share space with you and more importantly, to call you my friend. Um, you know, friend's a strong word and you are a strong one and I love you so much. Oh. <laughs> and Stop I, just, it, I can't handle it. <laughs> last but not least, I, I haven't seen you since the marriage. So Maz, we say in Jewish tradition, we say Mazel Tov! Mazel Tov! <laughs> Emotion, Al, support.